You're tuning in to the Black Hollywood Live Network, featuring news, interviews, and commentary on all things Black Hollywood. Hollywood redefined. From Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is Black Hollywood Live. Justice is served. Featuring the week's roundup and commentary on legal news. Black Hollywood Live. Hollywood redefined. You're listening to Black Hollywood Live. And now, the host for Black Hollywood Live, Justice is served. Good morning, and welcome to Black Hollywood Live's Justice is Served, where we bring you the latest in legal news and entertainment. I am one of your hosts, Rawa Gabra'a. I'm Lonnie Coombs. And it is lovely to have you with us on this fine Friday. Uh, we have a full slate of topics to discuss today, so uh, I guess we can just go ahead and jump on in with the case of the week. Um, I can it. go ahead and... Yeah, this one has been pretty um, interesting. Actually, you know what? Mm-hmm. I think it's the wrong picture, so we got to back it up. We got a Ray Rice picture. Uh, uh, the Baltimore nope. Ravens uh, running back Ray Rice was suspended for two games after footage of a physical altercation uh, with his then fiance was made public. Um, and I'm sure the photo will come up soon. So we'll just go <laughs> ahead and get started with that. Most of America is, is pretty angry right now. Uh, if you check out social media. You know, mm-hmm. that's your barometer. Uh, that Baltimore Ravens running back Ray Rice was uh, suspend who knocked his then fiance unconscious based on elevator footage that was uh, released to the public. And Casino Elevator, um, after a dispute, was suspended just a mere two games uh, by Roger Goodell, the NFL commissioner. And uh, this February video of Ray Rice dragging his uh, then fiance Janae Palmer, now Janae Rice, uh, who he's now now married to is is pretty damning and it, it, it you look at it then you look at it now it hasn't gotten any better it's, no. it's the same video and he uh, escaped prosecution um only by it being accepted into a pre-trial intervention program and uh, which if completed was going to wipe this assault off of his record and so he and his wife uh, rice and his wife held a press conference earlier this week uh, to discuss the two game suspension why I do not know. Why why both of them were there, I do not know. But do we have the video on that? Let's go ahead and run that. A minute of that. My daughter left the room, and, you know, the best thing I have to do is be a role model for her throughout everything. And, you know, my wife is here, and I I just want to thank her for, for, for loving me where I was weak and building up where I was strong. As our family sit here today, you know, we want to just thank you for um, encouraging us. Mom, thank you. Um, Mr. Palmer, my father I never had, thank you for, for teaching me what it is to be a man. And, you know, I know it wasn't easy when you've seen everything that happened, but I just remember your words, you know, you'll get through it. And those words always stick with me deeper than anything that, that that I can imagine. I do deeply regret the role that I played in the incident that night. Uh, but I can say that I am happy that we continue to work through it together. And we are continuing to strengthen our relationship and our marriage and do what we have to do for not only ourselves collectively, but individually. And working on being better parents for Raven and continue to be good role models. Yeah, I think we can go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, wrap that up. So, 
so many questions and and more to talk about. But just based off of uh, off of that video alone, uh, Lonnie, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts about Ray Rice having his wife there for the press conference? Well, look, you know. Um, uh, having done domestic violence cases, mm-hmm. you know, step away from the spotlight of the football and the athlete and the big million dollar contracts and all of the cameras. Um, you know, it is common for domestic violence victims mm-hmm. to um, support their abuser and to want to make everything go away and to not want to cooperate with the prosecution and to say it's my fault. And that's essentially what you saw there. Now, there's also um, allegations that the way this was handled by the NFL mm-hmm. um, was that they had both the husband and the wife, Ray and his wife, come in together to discuss what was going to happen. Well, you'd never interview the victim and the abuser together because you have the abuser sitting there and the victims. You, how can victim you ever dynamics, get anything yeah. um, honest and truthful in that situation? So... Um, that that right there was done inappropriately. It's interesting that the people who came together and made the decision about the two-week suspension, all I heard were men's names, from the NFL people to the team to the um, management, um, and they came up with this two-week suspension. And it's two interesting. Game. Two games, mm-hmm. sorry. Yeah, yeah, right, right. yeah. two game suspension. Which, <laughs> which is, is basically inter- a two week suspension because, yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Which is interesting when you look at some of the other history and they said, well, you know, we need to do this in, you know, kind of be consistent with other suspensions. Well, let's just look at a couple suspensions and believe me, there's a whole list that you can look at. But one player who tested positive for marijuana was suspended for the entire season. Yeah. And then there's another player who stomped on another team player's head during the game and got a five game suspension. So I'm not sure why. Why marijuana and another team player, you know, violence towards them would rank more important Mm -hmm. than this woman who we see on this video. And, you know, you can say all you want in support of Ray Rice. We don't know what happened before the video starts, which is where the doors open and he drags her out like she's, you know, just, you know... Um, you know, a bag of rice or something, and then the doors are trying to close on her legs, and she's he's kind of flopping her legs over. I mean, the lack of empathy and respect and consideration for her for his wife's body laying there unconscious speaks volumes for whatever might have happened just prior to that. Mm-hmm. Well, you say that a victim and um, and the abuser should never be interviewed together, and of course, I agree with that. Uh, but do you think that? Uh, Janae Palmer, Janae Rice, uh, should have had any say at all in his punishment. It appears that she begged for leniency and uh, that she wanted to ensure that uh, Ray wouldn't lose out on a ton of money. So uh, are her concerns valid, even if she was interviewed alone? Yeah, well, I think that, you know, anytime, whether it's a criminal prosecution or another situation like this, the NFL, you, you do take the victim's mm-hmm. um, position into consideration. I mean, they're the ones who are going to tell you, is this a long history of abuse or not? But as a um, an experienced interviewer of domestic violence right. victims, you also recognize that you have to weigh what is typical in that they will try to downplay it, try to minimize it. And this is also the person who is many times their source of income, their, you know, the person that they're very enmeshed with, so they don't want that to be upset either. So the victim has their own, you know, set of interests and concerns, and a person who understands the way that a victim might minimize it will take that into consideration when weighing 
um, the credibility of what's being said. Now, the reason she was there, obviously, at that press conference is what, you know, anytime somebody who's done something bad towards their wife, whether it's cheating on them or whatever, we see this all the time in politicians, you know, the good wife has to stand by their man. And hopefully it's a PR thing that will say, look, if she accepts me and what I did, then the rest of the public should too. That's that's why they're always there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, after that press conference on Monday, uh, backlash was so... Mm-hmm quick and um, and so intense that uh, and I think a lot of it stemmed from not only just the two game suspension but the fact that Janae his wife was just was sitting there and it just it uh, I think one of the things that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way was that part of the video where she says you know I I accept my role in this. Mm-hmm. It was almost like she was taking responsibility yes. for being beaten. Apologize. And, yeah. yeah. And and it was um it was it was difficult to watch mm-hmm. and uh and so I think because of that, uh Ray Rice came out and did his own press conference at a podium. And I think we have the video of that. Maybe we can run maybe about thirty seconds of that first uh, and then go from there. At night you know I just replay over and over in my head, you know, that's not me. My actions were inexcusable and you know that's something I have to live for the rest of have to live with the rest of my life and you know the pain that I'm talking about living with is that is waking up every day and my daughter's two years old now and I have a little girl who's very smart very intelligent and one day she's going to know the power of Google and me have to explain that to her you know what happened that night I know that's not who I am as a man you know that's not who I am as a man that's not who my mom raised me to be if anybody knows me and knows me that they know I was raised by a single parent, and that was my mother. And, you know, to sit here today and, you know, replay the things that, you know, my mom raised me to be, you know, I let her down, I let my wife down, you know, I let my daughter down, you know, I let my wife's parents down, I let the whole Baltimore community down, and I got my teammates here to support me, I let my teammates down, you know, I let so many people down because of, 30 seconds of my life that, you know, I know I can't take back. But one thing that I wanted to do today was... So... It's 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 good to see that he's taking responsibility further responsibility for for his actions but I wonder how he the Baltimore Ravens and well, especially considering the support that he's received from his coach uh, mm-hmm. very publicly and uh, the NFL can really move forward from this because the NFL has long been perceived to have a problem a domestic right. violence problem I mean yeah. this is this is not the first time we've seen something like this yeah. and uh, it, it, there has long been a as you said earlier a disparity between uh, punishments and fines for these types of incidents versus drug incidents or, you know, mm-hmm. other incidents. Um, so where do these where do these parties go from here? Well, I think this is a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. I think him standing up and really taking full responsibility for it. Now, he does stop short in that press conference and actually going through the details. Mm-hmm. People want to know what actually happened. He's not saying. Um, you know, and I think part of the process is really owning up to everything. Everything's skewed when you're talking about, you know, the spotlight of, of a, a pro athlete or a celebrity like this. I mean, you know, sometimes we demand of them something that it, you know, you don't demand of anyone else in that situation. And I think that the fact that they're going to counseling together and continue to go mm-hmm. to counseling together, I think, is a step in the right direction. I think that he said at some point they might come out and start talking about domestic violence. I think that's a step in the right direction. I think that educating people, because look, there's a bunch of different reasons why people become abusers. You know, many times it's a cycle of abuse. They've been abused somewhere in their past and they become abusers. Or, it, you know, it's it's the environment of, you know, reacting with violence, mm-hmm. which 
is what, exactly what happens in pro um, sports, especially football. So there's a lot of reasons that lead up to that situation. We don't know what the situation is here, um, but you know, you hope that he can rebuil, rehabilitate himself and his family. And the NHL or the NFL, well, all of them do, mm-hmm. but the NFL yeah. really needs to start recognizing and saying, look, this is a serious problem we have in our society, mm-hmm. and we cannot keep giving these guys passes or right. excuses, and they need to make it at least equal to the violence you know, towards other teammates or the drug suspensions that they do. There's, there's no excuse for them to treat those more seriously than to treat the, these um, domestic violence cases. So I think that the NHL, NFL, sorry, mm-hmm. the NFL really needs to get some education and understand the full impact of the problem here so that they can address it more realistically. Mm-hmm. At least uh, I think the most the most positive thing to come out of this is the discussion that continues to come up publicly regarding domestic violence mm-hmm. and uh, and and how it's dealt with uh, in the public eye and, and we get to toss different ideas around. People get to discuss mm-hmm. these. That's the only way you can really address a lot of these issues by talking about it. I mean, there have been some pretty public blow-ups this week, uh, as we were discussing off-air, uh, the suspend, one-week suspension of an ESPN commentator regarding uh, regarding this yeah. topic went a little bit left. And, um, Stephen and, A. Smith. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so um, at least the discussion is being had, and um, hopefully dialogue can lead to um, action and, and a better solution. But yeah. for now, let's uh, let's move on to On the Docket. Okay, On mm-hmm. the Docket. We've got three cases here. Uh, first, we have one about Kanye. West. Here there he is he again. Is. <laughs> okay, so Kanye West won a lawsuit this week. Um, he there was a thing called Kanye West, spelled coin, Kanye, C O I N Y E West. It was a an addition to this cryptocurrency craze. Um, you know this fake like, like Bitcoin, Bitcoin yeah. and things. Yeah, Which I still don't understand. But they accept that my either. nail salon. Yeah. I'm like, what? Yeah, I don't really get what it is, but that's what it looked like. And so um, this company came out, and they their first logo was this with him wearing his trademark glasses, his sunglasses, window shade glasses. And um, immediately when uh, Kanye West found out about this, he sued. And so then they altered it to make West a cartoon fish, kind of like in South Park. Um, he still didn't like that. So he continued <laughs> to sue. And even in the lawsuit, it was kind of strange because he couldn't find all the creators. Mm-hmm. The creators were like hiding and not coming out and, and really admitting their their identities. And, and so he had to spend a lot of money and time trying to try track down the actual defendants in this lawsuit. And there's people from the United States, China, the Netherlands, New Zealand, and, mm-hmm. and uh, all these other places that he finally tracked down. And I was actually able to finally um, settle with three of the defendants. The rest were like John and Jane Doe's. Um, and three of them settled with him. But um, one of the defendants' attorneys said, unfortunately, it was a parry that a parody that turned into a very expensive endeavor. Um, you know, he, he wanted a cease and desist order. I, I can kind of understand it, but do you think it was really worth all the time and money to go after these guys? And really, what were these guys thinking when they did it? I, two things. Uh, Kanye is one of those celebrities. He's a huge celebrity, one of the yeah. biggest rappers on on the planet. And he's very married powerful. to a very high-profile celebrity. So um, he's always been very um, on message with regard to his brand. And that's he's known for wanting to protect it um, at all costs. And we really don't see him in a lot of litigation in terms – I mean – 
unless it's with the paparazzi. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> but in in terms of his brand, that's something that he has very carefully crafted and is uh, and, and prefers to control all aspects of that. So given that we know that about him from mm-hmm. his various rants, his interviews that he does, he does. It's not surprising that he didn't want this. Lovely picture of him as a fish, just kind of, you know, circulating around the Internet. I mean, it's still going to circulate. So there's that. There's one. And then, uh, two, it's not really clear what kind of – yeah, it may have been a parody, but what kind of money – these these people would have made off of this yeah. uh, off this endeavor. Yeah, they, maybe they thought it was funny. It would be an interesting thing, but it brought them a lot of attention because of his name. Mm-hmm. And um, and Kanye is one of those people that does not strike me as a, uh, permitting other people to make money yeah. and he not get in on it. I don't think he even wanted to get in on it. I think he just wanted he to just shut wanted it down to yeah. completely. But um, I understand these celebrities um, – a couple of months ago, we talked about Katherine Heigl and how she was spotted outside of a Dwayne Reed, like I think with a bag. Mm-hmm. She'd just come out. And then Dwayne Reed or took the paparazzi photo that had been taken yeah. of her, posted it on their social media, mm-hmm. and she went she went legal real quickly. Yeah. And um, I think it's just about celebrities knowing the worth of their brand and uh, trying not want, to control it. Is trying to control it, trying not to dilute it, and being able to reap the 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 brand and, and financial benefits of of what their name stands for. So I, I don't blame them. But it, it yeah. seemed like it probably cost a lot of money and took a lot of time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, but Kanye has the money. So whoever thought they were going to go after him, mm-hmm. you know, to try and do this. You know, it's interesting because we talk about the Internet a lot. We talk about crimes that come out of the mm-hmm. Internet, um, you know, cyberbullying, things like that. But now we're seeing all of these celebrities getting involved in, in you know, branding issues yep. and other way, marketing issues that are coming up in the Internet that are kind of new um, things. And that's what our next story is about, mm-hmm. Michelle Fan. Who, um, there she is, this beautiful young lady who has become a huge sensation on YouTube. She is huge. She's She's probably the most famous YouTuber. So she is a makeup guru, and she has over 6 million, almost 7 million subscribers. That's how vast her um, influence is. And she does these, you know, makeup um, things. And she has put music to... Um, her little videos that she puts on there. Well, usually people would be thrilled to mm-hmm. have any type of exposure on her um, sh- on these videos because right. there's so much um, exposure on them, and so many people are looking at them. And sure enough, she makes a lot of money off of these because she, you know, markets these different um, brands, and um, a lot of people come on and they follow what she does, and they click through and they buy the products that she is mm-hmm. um, suggesting. Well, the people whose music she has been using are not happy with that. I'm too pleased. Yeah. yeah, and they're saying, wait a minute, you're making money off of our m- music, and we're not. And so they have now sued her. Um, this is the Ultra Records and Ultra International Music Publishing, and they represent artists such as Cascade, Fetty Legrand, Benny Benassi, Axwell, and the Bloody Beetroots. And she's used all this music. And um, so what experts are saying is, look, usually people who are doing these types of things know that you have to get permission right. to use this music. And you go ahead, and it's a pretty simple thing to do. You get the permission, you pay it, and then you put it in your video. But what we're seeing now on the Internet and on YouTube are these people and who are just doing their own thing, and that's what they're known for, their creativity. They put these things together. They mishmash it with their own ideas, and then they throw things in together. And that's what makes them become a sensation. That's what makes them watchable and interesting. But now it's clashing with the laws that say, but wait a minute. You can't just in your own little creative thing use some of my product and then get paid for it and then not give me part of the part of the cut. You know, it used to be a 
creative artistic project were just put out there and people would say, oh, that's nice, but you wouldn't be making money off of it, so nobody would really get that upset. But once you're making money and you've used something that I put out and I'm not making money, I'm not going to be happy. So now they're suing mm-hmm. um, and want $150,000 for each usage violation. So it's going to be a lot more expensive now because she didn't ask permission ahead of time. Um, and it's a really interesting problem. Now, her lawyers are saying, well, we actually did ask permission. They gave it to us. And besides, they should be thrilled because they're getting this exposure. But um, exposure saying, does not pay the bills. It, that's exactly <laughs> right. So, you know, what what do you suggest to people? How do you think this is going to shake out? First of all, in the in the courtrooms, because it is kind of a new mm-hmm. phenomenon of these young, creative, um, you know, kind of freelancing, freewheeling mm-hmm. people who are putting stuff on the internet. Um, do you think they're going to still be held to that standard of having to pay all of those rights? And if so, how are they going to not fall into this, you know, predicament that she did? I think that moving forward, very successful YouTubers such as Michelle Fawn will, um, will face, will have to face, face the music on, on this issue. Uh, she is. <laughs> She, uh, yeah, she's. I don't know if she is the most successful, has the most subscribers. Um, I think on as far YouTube. as a makeup guru, right? I think she's and definitely she, one of the top she's ones. making a lot of money. She has her own yeah. makeup line. She mm-hmm. has uh, garnered endorsements from several major brands. So uh, I think that if we're looking at the big bad labels versus the small YouTube star, I don't know if that's something that can be put into effect here because she's a pretty huge brand herself. Well, that's why it surprises me, though, that if, if she had all of this, you know, obviously at some point she's got attorney. She's not just right. sitting in her home doing this by herself. She's getting these brands coming to her. They're making right. contracts. Her lawyers at some point would step in and say, okay, you know, now let's look at your content and are you getting permission for all this stuff? I'm surprised that her lawyers didn't advise her and say, hey, you've really got to be careful now. Well, they're saying she has permission, yeah. but it's very vague in, in you know the articles that I've read, what mm-hmm. type of permission this is. I mean, well, it I don't know. It should be in writing, right? You always got to get that stuff in writing. Oh, it should. But yeah. is it always? I, I No. So yeah. um, I'd be curious to see what this permission is and um, because the, the, the label clearly does not believe that they have granted permission. Also, what's interesting is some of the artists on this label, I think, what is it, Ulta Records, Mm -hmm. um, have spoken out, uh, Cascade specifically, on Twitter saying, you know what, this is great. I mean, hey, this is the the record label. This isn't me. And I get that. I'm not surprised by it. Um, Mm -hmm. The music industry has become less profitable, and it is is difficult to make money uh, in the way that people made money in the past. Mm -hmm. And so uh, with all these different licensing issues and and different ways in which people are using music – Record companies have to be on top of everything mm-hmm. uh, and make sure that they can get their cut of um, of the artist's music in any way possible. So uh, I think YouTubers need to be very careful moving forward. One of, I, I love watching YouTube shows. I'm a big mm-hmm. fan. One of my favorites is a YouTube show called The Scorpion Show. And it's these two uh, young African-American men. And they sit there and talk about uh, maybe celebrity top, topics. They do, they've been on for five years. Mm-hmm. And they do, they're based in Philadelphia. And they do like maybe two shows a week and uh, they discuss also current events and you know things going on but every now and again uh, one of them I mean it's so casual they're sitting in somebody's home and it's almost like coffee talk yeah. but um, uh, they every now and again one of them will, will turn to the other and say oh my gosh you have to hear this new song and he'll like play the song and the, the, the lead guy um, on the show is like whoa whoa whoa, whoa. Stop, stop, stop. Don't play, don't play too much because... Then you have to pay. Then you have to pay. Right, and right. it happens every every now and again. And the guy, the, the second guy, he's like, oh, yeah, I forgot. So, yeah. I mean, it, it's funny because it happens frequently. But he always nips it in the bud mm-hmm. and, and, and catches it right there. So, based on that, and I've been following them for a while, that's what... 
kind of where I started to learn, like, oh, you can't really yes. play this music. Even if you're playing it off your cell phone, like, even, you know, if you... Right. It doesn't matter where it comes from. It's it, the music. It doesn't matter. And, you know, they're not using it to even sell their show or yeah. to, to do anything like that. Uh, but uh, some artists also are a lot more aggressive and their record labels and others. I mean, don't even think you can get some Beyonce on your video yeah. without having it snatched down right, from YouTube right. because her attorneys are known for being very uh, quick. Yeah, very protective and very quick. Her team is, is does, does not play. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think moving forward, it's going to be uh, interesting. And somebody like Michelle Font should have known better mm-hmm. um, if she was violating any type of mm-hmm. licensing issues. And hopefully they can resolve it. And uh, the law on this can become a little bit more clear for up-and-coming right. uh, people. Right. They can set some precedents here, which right. I think would be good for, for – because this is definitely a growing area. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, last on the docket is how could we go without mentioning it's Donald over. Sterling? I think. No, it's not over. <laughs> it's never it's over. so funny. People have been telling me for months now. Oh, it's all. It, this is not going to last long. And I keep saying, Yeah, right. You did. You did. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, we're hoping, at least the, the judge is hoping, and Shelley Sterling is hoping it's over. So a judge ruled against Donald Sterling um, on Monday saying that he cannot block this $2 billion, with a B, billion-dollar sale of the Los Angeles Clippers to former Microsoft CEO Steve Ballmer, which is what everyone really mm-hmm. wants to have happen. And essentially the issue was um, Shelly Sterling, once she knew, saw what was going down, and she's part of this trust that was both he and her together owning the Clippers, she um, said, well, as the trustee, I am going to sell the Clippers and get the best deal possible. She got this amazing deal of $2 billion. And initially, Donald Sterling had told her, okay, go ahead and sell. Well, as part of that, to do it without him involved, she had to have, underneath the conditions of the trust, have him declared mentally incompetent, essentially. And so she sent him to some doctors. And he said, I just thought I was going for a checkup. And they checked him, and they wrote up some reports and sent him to the court that said um, he's mentally incompetent. Mm -hmm. He's got Alzheimer's or whatever it is. And he's just not all there mentally. And uh, when Donald found out that happened and he was able to see the reports, he flipped out. We heard the rants with him saying... You know, he left messages for the doctor. How dare you? I thought you were my doctor and mm-hmm. you were looking at me for this and not telling me. And he went into court and said, I'm stopping all of this. I don't think it was fair. The um, the trust, I was not taken out of the trust. Um, I wiped out the trust. So this shouldn't be going on in probate court at all. And, um, and, and so that's what we've been going on right now. And the judge actually ruled for Shelly and said, we're going to go ahead and go through this. Now, essentially what Shelly says is like, this is the best thing. It's the best interest of the trust. It's the best deal we're ever going to get. Everybody knows this is a great deal. Um, it's interesting that Steve Ballmer's attorneys have actually helped uh, Shelley Sterling's attorneys along with this to try and get this to go through. Um, but, of course, Donald's saying, no, no, no. I could make more money the way I want to do it, and I want this to stop, and I'm not going to give up. So it's a tentative ruling by the judge. Mm-hmm. And immediately after the ruling, Shelley burst into tears and said, I'm so glad it's over. I'm so glad it's over. But... I'm going to say, <laughs> it's not over. don't give up so quickly until you see Steve Ballmer actually standing there saying, I own the Clippers. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's quite over yet. What do you think? Uh, I don't either, given, I mean, I I was one of those naive people in the beginning that thought, okay, you know what? It's it's going to get handled really quickly. This is a PR nightmare. Yeah. Let's. They're going to get it resolved. But then... I learned that Donald Sterling does not care does about not PR. Care. He does not care. And That's when right. he doesn't care, he really doesn't have anything to lose mm-hmm. financially. I mean, he's so rich. He's well so wealthy that I mean he I, I, he just he has yeah. nothing left to care about, I think. And um 
I think anything he can do to make this process yeah. more difficult, he will. Will it stop the um, the sale from moving forward? No, I don't think so. But will it delay things? Yeah. Yes. And how I think that that will affect um, the Clippers moving forward is that Donald Sterling may actually still be the owner when the season starts. The season starts just in a couple of months. And so uh, what we've been seeing in the news lately is Doc Rivers, the current Mm -hmm. coach of the Clippers, saying he is likely not to return Mm -hmm. if Donald Sterling is still the owner when the season starts. Same thing with Chris Paul. I mean, Chris Paul was not as – he didn't put as – I guess a line in the sand in the way that Doc Rivers did, but I think we can expect some player boycotting and um, there will definitely be uh, some words. And to Adam Silver's credit, the NBA commissioner um, and my fellow law school grad, uh, (laughs) (laughs) the same law school, he he has really done a fantastic job of trying to move this forward. And he has, uh, he has proven really incredible in his role. This is is his first major Mm -hmm. issue that he's had to face and whoa, has it been a doozy so um we will see how this continues to play out you know the real sad thing to me is if through all of this if donald sterling ends up essentially gutting the team Mm -hmm. for his own ego if if, you know if this team you know if everyone walks if the coach and the players and everybody by the time the season starts you know he may have won the battle but he definitely lost the war because you know the team but he doesn't care you know that that's the reality of it he he's got his own agenda and that's what he's looking at so i think everyone realizes it's it's inevitable at some point this will be sold it's just a matter of will there still be a team mm-hmm. <laughs> put together, um, you know, that they can carry on beyond this. So. The, the saga continues. Yes. <laughs> yes. Will, stay we, tuned. Yes. Stay tuned. Uh, we thought it was over, and it is not. No, I so. never thought it was over. <laughs> oh, Let's wrap it up with our, our, our last story, our last segment, Tipping the Scales. Arresting single mothers for child neglect is the law failing them. Uh, there has been a lot of news mm-hmm. lately, um, particularly this summer, which uh, – is actually a time when a lot of children are, are out of school and mm-hmm. uh, most children are out of school and uh, left to kind of either their own devices or parents are are left with trying to find child care. It can be, it can be a challenging time, yeah. particularly for single mothers. Mm-hmm. And um, a, a lot of them have been in the news lately, a lot meaning more than I guess I've seen in the past several years, yeah. uh, issues where children are being left in cars, being left mm-hmm. in parks, and, and these mothers getting arrested uh, for, and not just because they're hanging out at home yeah. waiting for their children, right. uh, because, you know, they're, they're working. working. Yeah. Now, this woman here, Deborah Harrell, uh, she faced quite the dilemma when her nine-year-old daughter asked to play unsupervised in a park this summer. Uh, the only reason being, uh, Deborah works at McDonald's, Worked, no, still works, works mm-hmm. at McDonald's, and um, she did not have any child care for her daughter. And so uh, at one point she was bringing her laptop in, and the child was playing on it and just sitting in the McDonald's while the mom was working. And uh, then the laptop broke, so the girl was bored. Actually, it was stolen. Stolen, yes, 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 yes. House. It was stolen yeah. from their house. And, and so there was no really other option to keep her entertained. And uh, so the child asked her mom if she can go play at the park, which was a few blocks away. And I... Um, just the thought of that makes me pretty nervous, but uh, the the mother allowed it, and in her, you know, she felt that that was the only mm-hmm. option that she had, uh, and uh, she was arrested. She was arrested for um, 
She temporarily lost custody of her daughter, and she was arrested and charged with uh, felony child neglect. Mm-hmm. And uh, her decision has totally been picked apart since mm-hmm. since the news broke. I mean, several people or several articles about how how could a mother let her child play in the park? Um, and then you know the other side of that, unsupervised. The other side of that, well, you know, she's a single mother. What is she supposed to do? There's no child care. Mm-hmm. She's got to kind of let. She's kind of got to do what she's got to do. And um, uh, this is on the heels of a really sad story out of Arizona where a young woman, and we saw the mugshot kind of plastered all over the news, uh, a mother of two left her children in the car while she Mm -hmm. was at a job interview in the car Mm -hmm. during the summer in Arizona. Um, And she had been homeless. She and her children had been homeless and bouncing around from relatives' homes. And she was also arrested in charge. She didn't get the, um, she didn't get the job, but there was a crowdfunding effort to, and raised about $114,000 to uh, put, uh, you know, money in the family's pocket and try to support them through this difficult time. Uh, and th- that money was raised really before a lot of a lot of the facts came out. Not that the facts would necessarily have changed people's minds, but um, now the woman has temporary custody of her children, the one in Arizona, and uh, the money was required by the judge to be put into a trust. So uh, I guess my first question about these types of stories coming out in the news now is the law failing these single mothers? Are, are we well, overreacting? Well, we you know we have a huge umbrella right now coming huge. up because the the law says you can't do anything that endangers your child. You have to be careful, mm-hmm. and but it doesn't say specifics. It right. doesn't say you can't leave them in a park. So, uh, some states say you can't leave them in a car, mm-hmm. but um, and it gives you for ages and for how long. But there's no specifics, and so we're coming up against one a vague law and two changing parenting opinions. I mean, we have the one side of uh, parenting in in today's society where you've got the helicopter parents. They have to be involved with their kids' lives all the time. And also, you know, don't ever let them do anything by themselves. There's child molesters everywhere. It's danger everywhere. And, you know, they should never be left alone. On the other hand, you have what's called kind of this free range um, parenting style where they're saying, look, our kids need more freedom. Mm -hmm. They need to learn more responsibility. They need to be able to do some of these things on their own. So, you know, you've got the parenting just in general, and then you've got these single parents who are, you know, in this day and age, it's even harder than ever to be able to, you know, keep a job and pay for childcare and, and, you know, meet all the financial burdens you have. Now, I think that the leaving the kids in a car, I think we need to start just taking a bright line there. Never leave a kid in a car. Never. Don't ever think I'm only going to be gone for five minutes. You never are. Don't ever think it's cool enough. They can stay here. It's going to be okay. You never know. It's too dangerous. It's too dangerous. We Mm -hmm. just never do that. Now, leaving the child in the park. Now, this one um, lady, Deborah Harrell, you know, the park that she was leaving them in, now that we're hearing more evidence from neighbors and people who leave their kids there, too, they said, look, this is a unique park. It it is um, very child-friendly. It's in this neighborhood. A lot of people leave their kids there, you know, not necessarily on a regular basis, but there's a a splash pool. They actually have um, a a charitable organization that comes in and gives free breakfast to all the kids there. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And there's a lot of people usually there kind of watching over the kids there. So it's not just like, you know, a, a, a typical park or a place that might be, you know, considered to be more dangerous. But it's a, kind of got to be done on a case-by-case basis. And I think that law enforcement needs to start saying, look, 
We've got drug diversion programs. We've got spousal abuse di- drug uh, diversion programs like Ray Rice. We need to start having diversion programs mm-hmm. for this kind of situation. Instead of having her face 10 years in prison, you're not helping the kids by yanking the kids out of the home without any further investigation about about what's going on in that situation. I mean, supposedly her daughter was healthy, happy. She's getting A's and B's in school. She didn't have any injuries. Mm-hmm. She was clean. She was presentable. She had a cell phone. She knew where to go for lunch during the day. Um, you know, and to yank her out of her home and then to put her mother up, you know, facing 10 years in prison, that's just ridiculous to me. Oh, that's not law enforcement working the way it should work. Mm-hmm. So I think, sure, we probably need more parenting programs. We definitely need more child care programs for families, especially during the summertime, more affordable ones. Um, so, it, it, and, and right now it is, it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's, this just seems to be the summer of um, parents being arrested. Yeah, well, you know what? Uh, just piggybacking off of your point regarding the diversion programs, when I was growing up, I couldn't even count how many programs there were for kids. I mean, mm-hmm. there. Everything. And, and parents worked. This is just a different time. I mean, parents were able to work reasonable hours and provide mm-hmm. for their children more nowadays with the economy mm-hmm. being the way it is, living wages not being increased while cost of living has skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. There are so many factors at play. Programs being cut due to funding. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think that we're really seeing the effects of all these programs being cut and, and, and the economy in how children are being cared for because there, well, there's no there's no option. And even the perceptions. I mean, when I was growing up, parents all the time would tell kids during the summer, go out, I'll mm-hmm. see you when it gets dark. And you were just left on your own devices and nobody complained. The kids loved right. it and nobody complained. My mom, you know, we had seven kids and from the time I was about 10, she would send me off with my little brother and sister and say, go off, take them anywhere for five <laughs> hours. I'm going to be cleaning the house. Yeah. Like, you know, and I was sent off and I'd go to the local school playground and hang. I mean, you know, and I was 10 or 11. I mean, I, I mean, nowadays people would be like, oh, my goodness, what's this girl, you know, little girl taking care of these two little babies? It was a very different time, right. a different parenting situation. And I think that, you know, we need to, we need to have this discussion. Mm-hmm. And we definitely need to get law enforcement on a better, you know, realistic ground here of how to handle these situations. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to hear that uh, these both mothers that we've discussed have been reunited with their kids. Yes. Uh, and, and, and we will continue to see how this plays out. It is my hope that uh, this discussion continues and uh, that programs can be implemented moving forward to assist mothers in this type of situation. And I want to say for, for um, Deborah Harrell, I, I appreciate that McDonald's said your job is here waiting for yeah. you. Yeah. I, I mean, that's one thing. That's that's reality and that's compassion. Mm-hmm. The last thing you need is to take her job away from her. You know, she's doing everything she can to provide for her daughter. So. Absolutely. Kudos Ab- to them. Yes, no, absolutely. I completely agree. Woo, that was our show for today. <laughs> Pretty heavy topics, but really interesting. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on this Friday. You'll see us again next week. Um, I can be reached on Twitter at Rawa, R-A-H-W-A. And I'm at Lonnie Coombs, L-O-N-I-C-O-O-M-B-S. Yes, and uh, check us out on YouTube or on BlackHollywoodLive.com. Have a great weekend. Producers Maria Menounos, Dario Christian, Tiana Hobson, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire BHL crew, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us at info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I'm your BHL announcer, Scipio. Instagram me at Planet Scipio. Thank you for tuning in. 
The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of DHL or its owners or principals.